listening to Idea, the podcast about improving data engagement and advocacy. I'm Brianna Wham. And I'm Shannon Sheridan. So today for our last episode of the season, we have a different type of episode for you all. Throughout the season, we've been asking our guests four questions relevant to research data management to get their thoughts. And the result is this compilation episode where we get to hear all of their answers. Let's hear what they had to say. So the first question we posed was, what makes something an engagement opportunity? I think of an engagement opportunity of anytime we get to have a conversation with a researcher or a group of researchers about our services. And it has to be a two-way conversation, not just us talking at a group of people. So I would consider any direct conversation with a researcher as an opportunity for outreach and for connecting and understanding better what they are looking for and what they need and how I can assist them. I keep it even even broader than that and just thinking about my own work and offering some of these, you know, uh, training sessions that I know researchers attend and they, you know, sit quietly in a webinar and they listen, which I think is fabulous. I'm offering this, you know, opportunity, this forum for them to come and listen. And, you know, if they do want to reach out in the, in the future, I, that's a huge win. Uh, but I think just, you know, getting their attention for even a 30 minute session for them to Listen and learn is a great engagement. Our, enga- our definition of engagement is pretty broad, whether it's consultation, you know, certainly our workshops, uh, you know, meeting somebody, walking between the buildings. You know, we're very opportunistic in terms of uh, how we connect with our researchers across campus. Everything for me comes down to collaboration. Whatever the social context is, whatever the professional context is, I tend to think of... The, the number one outcome that I want when I'm speaking to anybody is an opportunity to collaborate, you know, and over time that collaboration may be weighted more towards the library doing things or the researcher doing things, right? It can evolve, but I just, I want to know what our shared space is and how can we work together within that shared space. And so in that sense, everything becomes an, uh, an engagement. Every conversation becomes an engagement. If you have an opportunity to leverage that into a potential collaboration. I think an engagement opportunity is something that invites participation on something that has already been started or a foundation that has already been laid. Yeah, I think it's this community and building that community, that's engagement. I, I think it's a recognition that there may be areas of mutual interest where you can connect with each other and, and really figure out how do you work together to, to address both of your concerns or, or take advantage of mutual opportunities. I think it's interesting to hear these different definitions for engagement and see how there's definitely similarities across. It seems like the main commonality in these definitions is that's all about connection, be it a connection through a workshop, connection through collaboration, through a one-off conversation with a researcher. Engagement is about connecting with the researcher on a particular topic. Yeah, I like that. More about the results than necessarily the vehicle that gets you those results, which I like to think is something that we've tried to highlight on this podcast is just how many different activities can be considered an engagement activity. Our second question was, how do you define a data set? I would say, so data is almost everything, right? It can be information, it can be a research output, it can be media, text. So I would say any sort of 
grouping of this type of information or research output um, with the goal of, you know, having it as a group and a collection that can be used by others? You know, I, I think of data as pretty, pretty broad. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a collection of information that may be useful to someone, um, either that's yourself in, in what you are investigating, or maybe someone else uh, down, down the road is, is interested in. So I, I think we need to take a broad look at what a data set may include. So it, it could be numbers, it could be text. I like to think of bio samples as, as data, even though sometimes we see definitions do not include um, you know, the mice you're working with or the samples that you're working with as data. But I do think that is useful information that um, one could use. So I take a pretty broad definition of, of what a data set would be. I would probably consider data to be anything generated or used in a research project. A data set is data that is connected in some kind of logical way. I would say if I was going to draw a line, it has to have a data set is something that has the structure. Sure. I, I'd echo that in that, you know, for me, the a data set has a certain coherence. It is that collection of observations or simulated values and their associated documentation and supporting code that together uh, form a logical package. You know, whether that package is related to um, a particular category of observations so that it's not necessarily a specific research project related or a publication related, but instead there's a coherence to the category of observations. Um, or it could be the materials associated with a particular and very specific research activity. But for me, it's the coherence that provides the set part of data set. What, whatever the researcher gives us is a data set. This is actually a really, really hard question because when we were mining DOIs, it came up often because we were like, well, this, they say they have 6,000 DOIs and um, you know, it's like an image, but other people might bundle that up and put a DOI on the, um, on the data package instead of the individual images. And so it's a tough question that we know well. To me, a data set is in the eye of the beholder, right? It's, it's using something as the building blocks of research. Um, and that could be a spreadsheet, a MATLAB file, or images, or it could be a newspaper, right? If you're doing text mining, a newspaper wouldn't necessarily be considered a data set usually. But if you're text mining it, yeah, that's your data set. So, Brianna, how do you define a data set? It's a really good question, Shannon. I think this is why we posed it to these guests, because it's a challenging question to answer. It really is going to depend on who you're talking to. But to me, a data set is that collection or a grouping of data. So kind of the combination that forms the response to the project or the, the experiment um, together is what makes a data set. But depending on the project, that could be one file or it could be many files and it could be one type of data or many types of data. What about you? Yeah, we get this question a lot uh, because we have a repository that mints DOIs. And so when researchers talk to us, they're like, what counts like under a DOI? Like what counts as a data set? And the answer I always give, which I know is very frustrating to them, I was like, well, you tell me, what's your data set? 
because you do have to rely on that context for where the data is is created, what relationships it has, what kind of research it is. So honestly, I, I really like John's uh, John Petter's definition because at the end of the day, what the researcher gives us and what we're dealing with is the data set because they're the customers and they're who we're trying to help. So looking at it from from their point of view, I think is a useful frame. Then we asked, what one piece of information do you wish all researchers knew about research data management? If, if you do it well, you're, you're the primary beneficiary. So one thing that I wish researchers knew about research data management is that you can start small. I think sometimes people find uh, the concept to be a little bit daunting, but putting in you know, starting with just one element, uh, you'll find that putting in a little bit of effort now saves a huge amount of time and effort later on. I, I, I once uh, heard people comparing it to driving. If you don't, uh, if you don't follow the rules, it doesn't necessarily mean you're in trouble. But uh, if something goes wrong and you did not follow the rules, then you are in big trouble and uh i think this this is uh this is comparable like uh, of course you can cut corners but eventually it might become problematic and yeah usually you see the value of good data management when things don't go well you are gonna have to work with a lot of different people it's not just you creating you know, a data management plan or creating a process, uh, you're going to need some help along the way. I, th I think it's great if you can view all those things that you have to do rather as a, what does it do to help me? Because oftentimes the way you listen to a data steward or a software steward, because uh, that's what I want to push, of course, uh, a researcher would listen to it. Oh man, this is one more thing I have to do instead of thinking about it in a way, maybe this will help me. And if I start early, actually make things easier for me in the long run and actually streamline my whole process, etc. It's a process, not an event. Also excellent data management is maybe the enemy of good research data management, because if you wait too long and you waste too much time into finding an excellent or perfect solution, you miss out the opportunity to deliver good research data management, which is all it takes. So better have a good research data management and don't wait too long for a perfect opportunity. It's good enough to be good. I would like them to know that they're doing it. I mean, they know they're doing it, but I would like them to know that they're doing it more than they might think that they're doing it. You know, uh, not so much anymore, but I remember years ago that people used to get hung up talking about metadata. Like it was this overwhelming thing that you had to collect metadata. And often you do have to collect metadata, but your lab manuals, you know, your SOPs, your grant, your, your applications, that all becomes useful information that's relevant to, to your data management. And so, you know, helping people understand that they're not starting from zero, right? And, and most people don't think they're starting from zero, but I think we all have an opportunity to help people realize how much good work they're already doing in terms of managing their data. The danger is there's a, the possibility of perception that data management or software management is a form of control over someone's research and trying to get them to jump, uh, get a researcher to jump through hoops that might be 
uh, an extra burden or arduous on their work. But in reality, what the hope is of, of all of these efforts is that people understand how to think critically about the work that they're doing and how to make sure that it serves them better in the long run by being more accessible, more open, and more reusable for, for even the researchers themselves, and also that it can be more actively uh, part of a global conversation, you know, that these things can be more open and that and people can participate and understand the kind of data and, and software and other research outputs and infrastructure that go into projects. I think for me, it's, it's the recognition that that explicit consideration of how you're going to manage your data and then investing in a systematic approach to that, while it does require some, uh, some effort that you may not currently expend, the payoff is significant, especially as we're needing to more uh, systematically integrate our data into repositories for long-term discovery access and reuse. I would say um, start early and definitely ask for help and that there are a lot of experts on your campus. Start with your librarian and then they can connect you to others. Please start it right at the onset. It will make your life so much easier. It might take a little bit more time to get everything set up at the beginning, but then future you is going to be very happy that you did this at the start of a project. Start early. I mean, I don't know about you, Brianna, but there's enough wisdom there that I don't think I have anything to add. I agree. I feel like they hit on many of the major points. Gotta start early. The researchers likely already doing data management techniques, but they also could use some help and help exists. And I would just like to note for the audience that our guests did not hear other people's responses. And the three start earlies there at the end were entirely organic. So I think uh, I would say that's a pretty important piece of advice to pass on. And last, we wanted to know what the best data success they had ever seen was. I personally get really excited when someone publishes their data and then um, they can cite it or it's quickly discovered and reused. That's I don't know if that's what everyone defines as success, but that's what gets me really excited. I think for someone else, it might be um, setting up a file naming and sharing system that they notice has really eliminated redundancies within their research group. I would just say I was very heartened by the response we got when we were asking our uh, responsible conduct of research groups whether they had actually adopted any of these practices and found that, in fact, they were starting to adopt some of these practices. So that was very encouraging. Um, when users come back to us and ask more questions, I think that's a success. When they tell their colleagues and their students to come and talk to us, I also consider those very, very big successes. So I don't know if I would consider this the best data success that I've ever seen, but the best data success that we've had from my personal opinion, is we started implementing a role within every lab called the lab data manager. And so our institution said, we want every department, every lab to have their own individual who will oversee the data for the lab and we'll call them lab data managers. And so in the last two years, we've identified 
140 people who are now lab data managers. It's a nominated role. So, you know, it is a, a regular lab member who is now taking on this additional role, which isn't great, but it's made so much difference in terms of the idea of data management across the institution. People are thinking about it now. People are contacting me way more often about data management. And they said, you know, my PI recently nominated me as a lab data manager. What do I do? And so it's been it's been great for for IT, for Calway, for everybody to have that role as more of an official data management role within the lab. So I can think of a, a couple of success stories, but one that's just sticking out in my mind because it was the most recent one that, that I um, was a part of, but we had a PI reach out with uh, a request for help to share some data tied to a publication and they needed a repository, they needed a place to put, put this data and they didn't know where to turn because they had never shared data in this way before. So we were able to connect this researcher with our institutional repository, which is Harvard Dataverse. And it turns out Dataverse was the perfect solution for this data. They were able to quickly deposit these data files in, in Dataverse, get their DOI that they needed to report back to the editor of the journal. And at the end, the, the PI kind of said, wow, that was, that was so great. Thank you so much for helping me. This was pretty seamless. Thinking about all the other data that I'm sharing currently on my lab website, what if we were to take all that data and put it in, in Harvard Dataverse as well? It would make access to this data so seamless. We could see who's reusing it. Um, who's downloading it, all those kind of, you know, um, make data count things that, that we want to see. I think every case of data reuse is a real data success because I think reuse is the hardest form of using data or like the hardest letter of the FAIR principles because it's not very easy to understand someone else's data set and understand the circumstances and everything that is necessary to really use and reuse a data set to create something new. This is more related to culture than uh, technology. It's an organization that I've been involved in for 21 years now, the Earth Science Information Partners, a group of that started as 24 NASA-funded projects with an explicit mandate from NASA to form a community focused on uh, essentially being able to get the biggest benefit for the Earth observation data that NASA was collecting and it was being used by these groups for applications and research. And out of that, it's now an organization 21 years later of a, over 150 earth science organizations that you know work diligently on identifying barriers that access and use of data, uh, strategies and tools for being able to do that, and then increasing the usability and accessibility of this vast array of earth science data well beyond NASA by this point. So it's been a huge long-term process that has really successfully built an amazing data, research data and scientific data community. I'll, I'll, I'll do one that's recent. I don't know if it's the biggest, but a recent thing associated with our geospatial data. We had a, a student help um, help a history professor map out racial covenants, covenant agreements, restrictive covenant agreements in Chicago, Cook County, make a web map of them, 
really for, for GIS work, ArcGIS work, this is very simple, but uh, it was very easy to, 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 gen to generate. It was presented on an online forum in, uh, in Cook County to like public people and people who are in the area who are interested to citizens of the of Chicago area and engendered a whole bunch of interest and uh, has helped lead them to get more uh, citizen science people who are willing to go into the archives in the area to go unearth these restrictive covenants and, and bring them to light. I think from my perspective, it's, yeah, like anytime we can meet a researcher, like either it's a faculty or a graduate student's needs. Like I remember one time when I was working at, a, at an institution, there was somebody who came, they had to make like 300 videos of zombie ants available online. And it was like, how do we do this, right? Um, and so, you know, working through technology challenges and all that stuff, I mean, anytime, like practically every data sharing success is a success in my mind. Um, and so there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of examples like that, which is rewarding. You know, Shannon, I found all of these stories really nice to hear about. You often hear about data failures. And so it was nice to hear about kind of some data success stories. Uh, and for myself, I find that the biggest success I see is when I actually get to work with a researcher from the beginning of their project, see them planning their research, planning how they're gonna do data management, and then working with them and seeing throughout their project how things might change and how they adjust that similar to how you would any other protocol, and then them actually being able to share a reusable data set at the end. So that thought process from beginning to the end of the project actually working um, throughout the research project and applying those data management skills at each step of the way. Yeah, and I think you you make a good point. Like these were all great stories and there was a good mix of like really big, impactful data successes. But I think a couple of our guests also mentioned just like when the researcher gets it and actively takes part and wants to better their data management skills. And I think the fact that we take those as successes shows that, you know, at the end of the day, that's really what matters. Like the big splashy stuff is great and it's really exciting when it happens, but just as impactful are when you get one lab to adopt a file naming convention or you convince one researcher that they should be depositing in a repository and not on their faculty webpage. And I think it's great that people are recognizing that those small wins are still wins that are worthy of celebrating. Exactly. I agree completely. And I also think a neat thing that we saw in these responses, just as one more thought here, is the idea that we saw both those successes of with the researcher successes, but also successes in our field of developments in the infrastructure we have to support researchers with this space um, or the service offerings that we have as those are being developed and how things change on a campus. And I think those really do go hand in hand. And so it was interesting to get to hear that and how those might interplay uh, to be even larger successes in the future. To all our listeners, thanks so much for joining us on our inaugural season of IDEA. We hope that you've enjoyed the article reviews and interviews and walked away with a few new ideas that can help you engage with researchers. And of course, a big thank you to everybody we've interviewed this season. We couldn't have done the show without your enthusiastic participation. Keep an eye out for our next season, which will be starting in the fall of 2023. If you want to nominate a guest or are interested in being on the show, 
please get in touch. Have a great summer and thank you for all your support.